I don't think enough investors actually talk about it on podcasts and things like that, because it's not just executing the Burr strategy. It's Mm -hmm. buying properties that create enough cash flow that they offset the expenses enough that the banks look at it and say, this doesn't affect your debt ratio. So you're approved for the exact same amount you were approved for before. Or if your cash flow is high enough, you might be even approved for more. Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the golden nuggets of real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent and investor and your host of Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. I had the pleasure of sitting down with my good friend, Sean Rea, a real estate agent and an investor in the Niagara region. Sean shares his inspiring story of how he decided to change his life from working 50 hours in a week in the corporate world and still living paycheck to paycheck to now having a portfolio of over 40 units in Ontario and seven parcels of land in Belize. We discussed the importance of shifting our mindset from scarcity to abundance and why creating systems and outsourcing tasks are key elements in growing your portfolio. We also tackle how you can simplify your tenant screening process using Neighborly, and most importantly, how to leverage the bank's money to keep on buying more properties without maxing out very quickly. If you like this podcast and have gotten any value out of it, please show your support and help me reach as many eyes and ears as possible by following my Instagram page and sharing this podcast all over social media. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. Please enjoy episode seven with Sean Rea. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode. I have my special guest here, Sean Rea. Sean Rea is a local investor from Niagara region, and today he's gonna talk all about his journey, how he got into real estate investing, and how it has impacted his life. So without further ado, Sean, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hey Ross, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to, uh, to be chatting with you. You're a, you're a good friend of mine. Uh, we've, we've met uh, over the past year or so and kind of connected through real estate. And uh, it's, uh, it's awesome that we get to you know, interact and meet like-minded individuals. And it's, it's amazing to see how like, we all kind of grow together and you know, sharing our stories and everything. But um, to give you a little bit of background on myself, I started investing in the Niagara region back in 2017, 2018. Um, 20, the beginning, first quarter of 2018 was when I bought my first uh, straight up rental property. And um, I basically blew up my portfolio since then. I've been consistently buying and just, you know, making an acquisition after acquisition and trying to, um, trying to change my life through real estate investing. And uh, I'm super passionate about it. I love the topic. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be here talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to, yeah, to give everybody a little background story, just like you said, Sean, I, Sean and I met last year yeah. and uh, I, I was looking at uh, potentially some of the properties in the region and I know about the market. So again, one of the benefits of having a network is being able to reach out to folks like Sean and other people in different regions to learn about the market. So he, he definitely came through, guided me, gave, gave me some background, some information, helped me get, get over the hump. And so 
I started investing in Agri. So to this day, I still thank Sean for, for that and I appreciate it, it, all his help. So thank you, Sean. You're um, welcome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got into real estate. Because I remember, I know, I know the background story, but a lot of folks may not know. So do you mind just telling us a little bit how, you know, what caused you to think, you know what, real estate is the way for me? Yeah. So um, I'll go back to like, even before I started actually investing in real estate, because a lot of this has to do with kind of like mindset and where I was at in life. Right. And um, one of the things that I like to talk about that I find, I think is even more important than just, you know, investing in real estate, which is what we're all, we're all here to listen to, you know, listen to that and, and learn about that. But the biggest piece of this game is your mindset. And, uh, and growing up, uh, if I go back to like even my childhood and whatever, I, I didn't have, uh, I didn't really have like, you know, a strong, strong uh, role model to give me like, uh, you know, tell me, tell me, Hey, you, this is the type of mindset you should have. This is how you should be focusing on things or teach me finances or anything like that. So I struggled a lot when I was younger. Um, I didn't, I didn't know anything about finances. I didn't understand, you know, what cash flow was or how to create cash flow through passive income, um, through investing or anything like that. So I, I was raised to, you know, work hard and go get a nine to five job and, um, and save your money. Right. And, uh, that's basically what I did until my mid twenties. And I bought my first house and I had my first daughter and I realized that I was struggling. I was living paycheck to paycheck. And that's something that a lot of us can resonate with because, uh, we see that with people all around us, right? Like even, even the middle-class right now are generally, a lot of them are still paycheck to paycheck. So you might be working a high, high income salary job, but you know, paying for that nice house and paying for that Mercedes or paying for those steak dinners when you're actually allowed to go for steak dinners, um, it, it adds up and most people struggle, right? Um, just to get ahead or just to save money so that they can, you know, do something that they're, that they're working towards. So after I had my first daughter, I realized that I was following in the same footsteps of what I knew, which was as a child, we struggled a lot, right? I was, I was raised in a single family house um, and we, we didn't have money. So uh, life was all, always a struggle. And I realized that I was, I was going down that same path. And I, I said to myself, I can't do this. I need to figure out how to change my destiny, how to change where I'm going to be going. Right. So I went down this deep rabbit hole of real estate investing and I started searching online, um, how I can get into it, what I can do. I started reading the right books. Um, I started networking with the right people and doing all of that was what ultimately changed my mindset. And then with that became the, the confidence um, of me to be able to go out and actually do it. So I basically worked my ass off to get there, but uh, you know, fast forward to where I am now. Um, it doesn't seem like it was a lot of, it doesn't seem like it was a lot of time and a lot of work. And, and you know, I, I'm just, uh, I'm really grateful that I was able to even learn about this and, you know, be able to use it to change my life. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. That's really power, powerful. And you know what, that's what it is. It, it is mindset. I 100% agree with you. It just, it comes to a realization to say, you know what, I need to change in my life. And more importantly, taking action, right? There, there's so much you can we all tend to take a step back and say, oh, my life needs to be this way, but this way. But it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it, though? You have to make certain changes and plans and, and do some homework, and let's just say, before you get into it. So um, I know you mentioned you kind of read some books and, and, and got into real estate investing. I guess what, were, what was like your turning point? When did you say, you know what, this, yeah, this makes sense. I should go on this and I should you know, pursue this. So that would have been after... It, it, it's an interesting story because I, the first house that I ever bought, which I thought was a real estate investment, 
was uh, it was a new build in Stony Creek. Um, and I remember, I remember my, my mom had always said, Sean, you need to buy a house. Don't rent, buy a house. It's going to be, it's going to be the best investment you can ever make. And I bought this house in Stony Creek and it was, um, it was like a three-story townhome, one of those like skinny ones that, that are they're really tall. And, right. um, like I, I was living to paycheck to paycheck. I was still broke. And I was like, I'm like, I, I don't understand this. Like I'm, I'm living just like everybody else. So, um, I guess the turning point, you know, going back to this, going back to that time in my life was I was working a corporate job as an IT guy in Mississauga and I was living in Stony Creek and I was commuting back and forth. I was working a 40 hour salary, 40 hour a week salary job, but I was putting in like 50, 60 hours a week because that's what we do in corporate life. That's what you do, right? You just, you got to do whatever it is that your projects are that, you know, within a certain time frame, you got to get them done. So you do what it takes. And it's commuting back and forth. And uh, my, my daughter was just a little baby and I was, I was getting home sometimes and she's like, she's already in bed. And I'm like, this isn't right. Like this, this doesn't make sense. And then, and then I was looking at my bank account I don't, and I, I don't have like extra money for savings or whatever. So um, we ended up selling that house and I convinced my wife because I had started reading about real estate investing. So I convinced my wife to sell that house and move into an old duplex and we were going to house hack it. So I was going to live in one unit. We we're going to rent the other unit out. And, uh, and that was in the Niagara region. And so we made that move. And um, I thought that everything was just going to be like, um, like, you know, beautiful and, and rosy and it was all going to work <laughs> out. And now, now I had changed my life, but um, it didn't, that actually didn't change my life. So the reason that this is important is because I think that like the reason I, I think that telling this is important is because a lot of people think that right after you make that first move, all of right. a sudden your life's going to change. And that's not what happened for me. I went into this duplex and I lived in one unit and I offset the mortgage with the other unit, but I hadn't changed my mindset enough to be like focused on growth. So I did that one change, but then I got stuck there. And that was it. That was back in 2013. So that was the first house that I, you know, was a rental property that I purchased, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the first straight up rental property where I was acting as an investor. So I, I sat in that property and I didn't do anything to grow from 2013 to 2018. So for five, I wasted five years of my life, which is that living in that one property. And mm-hmm. then during that time was when I had, I had put together a whole, a whole, um, I have a whiteboard behind me and that that's what I had that's what I had to do in, in, um, in the Niagara region when I was living in this property was I put together my goals on a whiteboard. And I said to myself, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to start over and I need to figure out what are my goals and where am I going to go? And so that's why I ended up buying the second property in 2018, five years later. But by that time I had determined that I'm going to be on a growth trajectory and I'm not looking back and I'm not going to slow down and I'm not going to let anybody slow me down. So I got rid of all my limiting beliefs at that point. And um, that's where I started to really like change my life. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that you, you, you nailed it right in the head. That's what it is. It's mindset, right? So uh, I, I guess, and I had this conversation with many folks as well. It's, it's like, you really have to figure out what you really want, right? You have to understand what your why is, right? So exactly. for, for other folks, you can explain, you know, for you purposely, it was just getting time back, getting time back to spend time with your family, um, having the, you know, the ability to spend your time and money with whoever you want, 
you know, financial freedom. Basically, in other words, that's what we all strive for and that's what we look for. Um, so you just have to really figure out what is it that you want and how are you going to scale up? So like you said, some folks maybe are happy with one or two properties and they're okay with it because that's what they want. Others are looking to scale up, grow you know, to multis and apartments, and that's good for you. So you just have to figure out what your why is and, and, just, and just keep going. And uh, limiting beliefs. I love that you touched upon that uh, because that's a common uh, you know, problem that we have. Everybody has that, whether it's real estate, whether it's any other business. Um, real estate investing is, at the end of the day, a business, right? Like you, you can attest to that. Yes, You're currently sitting at, at how many properties right now, Sean? Uh, we have 15 buildings. 15 buildings. Okay. So uh, one of the issues a lot of folks have is, is managing. So can you talk a little bit about how you're managing that? What are, the, I guess, some of the hurdles that you had to go through? What are some of the uh, learning lessons, let's put it, for somebody who's starting out, if you can share that? Because I would love to hear yeah. both failures and success. Yeah. Yeah. So so with those with those buildings, they're, they're all multifamily buildings. So we're managing 42, 42 rental units right now. And um, that, it seems like it's, if I were to say it to myself, but I wasn't a real estate investor, I would think that that's like an absurd amount of um, work that I have to do. I'd be like, wow, like, how do you do that? Because that's right. 42 different people that might be calling you about a problem with a toilet, right? And, right. And, and the reality is, is that if you don't learn how to have a system in place, then you will create another job for yourself. Right. And like you said, like this is a business, right? Real estate investing becomes a business once you once it once it gets to a certain scale. And um, so as I was growing out this business, like what what I realized was that I wanted to have my hands in everything. So when I first started, I wanted to I wanted to be swinging the hammer. I wanted to be painting the walls. I wanted to know what this costs, how long it'll take. And I, I almost felt like I wanted to do it all because even like, like when you think mentally, I came from scarcity, right? So I, I came from having very, very little and to spend money on something that I could do. I felt like that was a waste of money. Right. And that was, that was me starting out. Right. And I think that it's normal yeah. for, for investors to go through this stage where they want to do the renovations. They want to learn all of the things. And I would actually suggest and promote it. So I would say mm -hmm. that when you're starting out, you should be learning what are the costs of these materials? What does right. it take to renovate this place? How long will it take? And what needs to be done to do it properly? And once you know all of those things, and then, then you can move on to the tenants. So how do I screen the tenants? What type of tenants do I want? What are the market rents that I can get? Um, what type of renovations will get certain market rents? What are the tenant laws? So all of these things are things that you actually need to learn but once you do that with your first or your second or your third property, then you need to put a system in place because you will create another job and you'll create more stress in your life. So what I, what I realized was that at a certain point during this, uh, during this growth, I would say it's all actually probably been within the last year for me um, right. where I realized that I'm going to, I've put enough like emotional stress and, and mental stress and, and everything in my life to go through all of this process. And now I'm ready to like, to, um, to let go. I'm ready to let go. And so with that being said, I started putting more trust in other people. Right. And so I started saying, okay, I don't need to go here and do this. I don't need to do that. I'm going to let somebody else do it for me. 
and I'm comfortable with them making decisions for me even. Where, where now it comes to the point where maybe a contractor will say, hey, Sean, what do you want to do with this? And I right. will literally say, whatever you think is best. <laughs> I will literally say that. And then whatever yeah. they do, I just put my faith in them, right? And I build those relationships with certain people right, where, right. I, where I can trust them, right? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend to do that the first time you meet somebody, but after yeah. you're working with people for a certain amount of time, you can put faith in them. And the more that you're, you're willing to give up to other people and give them the ability to you know, be successful on their own as well, then right. the more freeing it is for you and the less decisions that you also need to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you, you mentioned that. So starting out, I highly recommend, you know, I'm go, I went through the same thing. Never feel like you have to outsource everything, right? There obviously comes to a point where your, your time is worth more than you, you know, hammering something down, <laughs> you know, putting the floors or whatever, whatnot, what right? So as you scale up, you realize that, you know what? it's not worth my time anymore. You know, it's going to cost me X amount of dollars for me to put myself through the emotional stress, put my family through the, all that emotional stress and to save a few dollars here where I can literally outsource it to somebody who can do a much better job, get much more uh, quicker. And uh, in our, in our business, timing is, is, is pretty much everything, right? Like when I say timing, I'm not saying you got to time the market, it's time in the market, right? So for instance, I know you do a lot of bird projects. So, how critical is it for us to get these projects up and running so that we can pull the money out, right? So we can renovate quick, so we can get tenants in, right? That's, yeah, that's very huge. Important. Absolutely. That's yeah, very important. Yeah. Um, so based on what you've mentioned so far, Sean, tell us a little bit about, you know, a couple of the markets that you, that you have invested. I know you mentioned uh, Niagara is one of them. What other markets are you investing in? Yeah, so I started investing in um, in the Niagara region. That was, uh, well, so 2013 was my first purchase. 2018 was my second purchase. And mm-hmm. then um, I stayed in the Niagara region for all of 2018. Um, 2019, I, I bought three or four or five other properties. And then 2020, last year, I bought another five properties. Um, but I did venture out last year and I bought uh, I bought townhouses in Sarnia. Right. Um, so that was my first venture that was like outside of the Niagara region. Um, and there's some lessons to be learned with that, which was that it's not as scary as you think. So I was, <laughs> I was scared to, yeah. to venture. I, all of my properties were within a 15 minute drive from where I am. Right. And I thought that this was the best thing for me because I could be hands-on and manage everything. Right. 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 Which goes back to, you know, going from where I started to where I've progressed now is that I realized that I don't need to be there. So um, I I bought the townhouses in Sarnia and right away we hired property management and uh, we've owned that property for, I don't know, like six or seven or eight months. And I don't, I I have no idea what's going on at the property because the property manager has never had to call us for anything. They just fix everything that goes wrong. And then we just, we just find out at the end of the month that they fixed it. So, so it's, yeah, it's really easy. Um, and, uh, I'm really happy about it. I think it's been, been really great. Um, and then aside from Sarnia, um, I started investing in Belize, which, um, was like a totally different venture. Um, I've, I've been passionate about, about buying and owning and living somewhere in the Caribbean. And that's been something that I've always dreamed about since I was, you know, maybe a teenager, maybe the first time that I ever went to the Caribbean. So I was like 19 years old, maybe. Um, yeah. And uh, ever since I went there, I'm like, I, I, I one day want to, you know, have a place here and live here. So 
I started buying, um, I started buying parcels of land in Belize on this little island called Ambergris Key. Um, and mm-hmm. I started with one, one purchase in January of 2020. And um, I realized that it was, it was a good purchase that I made and the transaction went smooth and uh, the process was actually fairly simple. And mm-hmm. um, with that being said, I started networking with other people. So I used the same, the same strategy, the same mindset, everything, which was, you know, you need to be a sponge. You need to right. learn and absorb information from others. So I used those same tactics by connecting with other investors who were already investing on the island down there. And, right. um, and I found out that they were doing the same thing and there was different uh, cash flow strategies that you can do by buying these parcels of land. So um, I, I leveraged that information and uh, I went ahead and I bought another, I bought another seven parcels on top of that, on top of the oh, first wow. one. Yeah. So it's been, so it's been, uh, it's been a very like growth oriented year on, you know, in regards to like um, acquisitions on the island there. And right. then um, I was just mentioning to you, so that's, that's my Caribbean purchase and um, we're yeah. closing on something in New Brunswick next week. So that's yeah. the, that's the latest acquisition in, uh, in Moncton, New Brunswick, which right. um, based on some of the research we've done, it, it seems like it's a good area for, for us to be buying right now. So um, we're kind of spreading out more and more, I guess. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So you went from investing in your backyard to now literally worldwide and across Ontario. And across Canada, I should say, that's, yeah. that's incredible, right? So, yeah. what made you decide? You know what? It's time for me to just get out of my backyard. Like, what changed there for you? So, the biggest piece of this was that one, getting rid of my limiting fears, my limiting beliefs. Getting rid of my limiting yeah. beliefs, which was that for me to be successful, I need to be close. I need to invest close by, and and once I did Sarnia. Sarnia was that one where I'm like, okay, I'm jumping over the fence now. And <laughs> once I did that one and it worked, that's what gave me the confidence to go outside of Canada and then purchase in the Caribbean. And once I did that last year, um, many times, then I realized if I can do that, then I can just buy anywhere in Canada, can I? And still be successful as long as I do my due diligence, run numbers and, right. you know, and, 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 you know, mitigate the risk. So so yeah, so now we're kind of, you know, we're trying in a different province entirely. And, um, you know, the goal is to, the goal is to continue growing, right? right. So um, the, uh, there's a phrase that I, I like to say to people, which is you're, you're only doing two things in life. You're growing or you're dying. There is no in between, right? <laughs> so I, I like to make sure that I'm continuing to grow. And if I can't grow as quickly as I'd like to in the Niagara region, then that means that I'm, mm-hmm. I'll look elsewhere. Yeah, no, and, and, and yeah, that's a very good point. So uh, as as we, we've been seeing in the market, it's just berserk. Like everywhere you touch, it's just going up like 10, 20. I've even seen markets have gone up 20% since last year, yes. which is insane. Yes, um, Niagara, I region, Niagara region is one of them. Absolutely. I was going to say Niagara is definitely one of them because we've seen the prices jump like drastically. And I don't. we don't blame them because there's so much other factors that are involved in the market. You know, we got the low mortgage rates going on. We have individuals fucking the market because they just want to get in and get something. They want to, unfortunately, I feel like for some deals, and I'm sure you both, both you and I have looked at and we shake our head. You're like, I don't understand who purchased this and why, unless they're living in it. I don't understand how that could be a good investment choice. But yes, first, hopefully those people can figure out a way that they can, you know, recoup their money or learn the lessons and whatnot. But uh, yeah, 
point I'm trying to make is don't buy real estate for the point of, or for the just sake of buying real estate, because exactly that's not what you want to do because it, it is a long-term game. And, um, uh, for you, especially, right. All these properties that you bought, there are, they're basically are being, um, uh, they're for buy and hold basically is what I'm trying to get at. Right. That's the strategy that like, yeah. you know, like you said, time in the market. Right. So a lot of, a lot of these, uh, these purchases, I'm thinking, you know, we, we may never even ever sell them. They, they right. might go to my kids. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I don't, I do my exit strategy is not to sell that. My exit strategy is to hold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for that's, for that's as awesome. long as absolutely possible. And maybe even until I'm gone, <laughs> <laughs> you want to leave a legacy behind. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That, that, that's definitely something what I'm striving for. I have this conversation with my wife all the time. I'm like, I brought, I was brought to this country. My, my parents did a lot of sacrifices to get me here. Now it's for me to make a name for ourselves and leave, exactly. you know, generations of wealth. That's, that's basically what, what, what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. You mentioned Belize, right? So how did you go from one to seven? And again, what is your strategy there? Again, you mentioned you, you do a lot of the buy and hold. So what are you going to do with the land? Yeah. So some of it is going to be developed on, um, I'm buying, if, if any of the viewers like check out Amber Gris Key, um, they can Google secret beach and that's where I'm buying. So I'm buying in, um, it's actually like the highest tourist area in the whole country. Um, so wow. it's like 70% or 75% of people that go to Belize all go to this Island. Um, so it's, it's one of the, it's one of the, you know, highest tourist traffic areas. And the reason that I'm purchasing there is because I'm buying parcels in an area that's being developed right now. Um, so again, I'm thinking long-term, it's not something that I'm just going to hold on to for six months or a year or even right. five years. This is something that I'm going to hold on really, really long-term and, uh, and watch as the value goes up. Um, but there are cash flow opportunities where I've learned from other investors that have done similar things on other islands where they mm -hmm. buy parcels of land and after it appreciates five, 10 years, 15 years, you can resell it, but you don't resell it for the capital gains and just the general profit. You actually resell it for cash flow by doing a vendor vendor take back or vendor financing. So I own these parcels outright. I'm buying them in cash, and then right. I, I sell I sell or finance these properties with a mortgage at ten percent. And then somebody who maybe won't be using that land or need that land until they're retired in thirty years, mm -hmm. they can have a thirty year mortgage on the land, and I, I'll collect the cash flow monthly payments on them. And the ones that I don't do that, I'll probably be building short-term uh, rentals on them. So Airbnb, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I know that that's it's amazing. That it's it's uh, for I know it, it's a lot to take in, especially when you think that far away. <laughs> you know, another yeah. island, another country. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. But again, there's opportunities everywhere, right? So it goes back to what you were saying in terms of not seeing scarcity, but seeing abundance, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And I learned about it through other investors, right? So I, I learned about it and I learned about that strategy from another investor who told me, hey, this is how I retired myself. And I think he moved to like Paris, France or something and he doesn't work. <laughs> and he, he literally did that. He, he did the same strategy. And, um, you know, it, again, it's, it's learning from others who've already done it. Don't reinvent the wheel. You know, if you know something, I'm sure you're always happy to share with other people. If I, I, I love sharing, you know, different strategies and talking, talking shop or whatever about real estate investing or finances. And um, it's really important. You know, it's really important to, to learn. I, I'm trying to teach my kids now at, at an early age, as, as early mm -hmm. as possible. I want them to understand that 
um, you don't need to follow the crowd. You don't need to follow what everybody else is doing. You can do whatever you want in life. And if, if you're really passionate about my one daughter wants to, she wants to cut hair when she's older. And I said, if you're really passionate about cutting hair, I a hundred percent, I push you to do it, please do it, but create some type of passive income stream that allows you to do that. So you can focus on the passion for being passionate about it and not about the money. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and that's the key. I think a lot of us are held back because our finances, right? That's really what um, I think that's probably the number one stress anybody has really, right? Everybody thinks about the, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to provide for my family? So that's that you have to burden. And you have to, that's, that's part of living, right? (laughs) That's part of life. Um, So that brings me to to my other point. I mean, as investors, we are actively investing and buying properties and like, uh, especially when you do buy, buy investment properties, you get up at least 20% down, right? So how are you ha- uh, handling, you know, the active income side? I know you're doing a lot of passive right now. I know you have some cash flow. So walk us through ab- about how you're able to keep scaling up at that space. Yeah. So what, uh, if we go back to, so 2013 to 2018, when I didn't buy anything, right? it, I, it wasn't just that I didn't know what to do. It was that I didn't save money. So I had used... <laughs> my money to buy that property in 2013. And then I didn't have more money to buy anything else. And I didn't know what to do. Right. So I didn't know that I could raise capital. I didn't know I could joint venture with somebody. I didn't know that I, I could go ask for lines of credit. I didn't know any of these things. Right. So, so I wasted five years. And then in 2018, once I started connecting with the right people, I started learning about, um, you know, what a joint venture is, what, a, what the burst strategy was. Learning the burst strategy was life-changing for me. That Absolutely. changed my entire life because I realized if I save a certain amount of money to buy a property and I put that 20% down and I buy this property and then I put another $15,000 into renovations into the property, I've increased the value by enough that I might be able to go to the bank, ask for an appraisal on the property and they might appraise it at a good enough value that I can refinance it and get my down payment and my rental money out. And once I learned that, that's what I tried to do. So I did that on my first prop on my first um, property in 2018, and I did it successfully. And I did a podcast back then in 2018 about this property, and it's it's amazing because I look back and I see how excited I was that I did it. Right? Yeah. It was like it was like yeah. I learned. It was like it was like somebody taught me to fish, but the person who taught me to fish was the books that I read. It was Robert Kiyosaki and, right. you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant and all these other books, but it was a culmination of all of these things that I learned. And then I executed and I did it and I was so excited. And then I went and I, I got my money back out of the property and it made me cash flow. So I went and did it again. And then I did it again and again and again. And after six, seven properties in, then people started saying, Hey, Sean, like I want a part of that. And right. that's where I started joint venturing with people, right? And then so I started partnering with some people and we started buying properties together. And that's what helped me scale. So I, I've been buying properties on my own. And then I've been helping other people grow their portfolio. And we've been doing joint venture partnerships and, um, you know, buying, just buying properties together and kind of growing our portfolios together with some of my investor friends and growing it on my own for my own family too. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And, and that, that's the key, right? I mean, if I know a lot of folks are make the same mistake as you and I have even done when you first buy your first property, you sit on it, you don't, you wait, you don't understand, right? There's so many things you could do. Like what, what I love about investment, especially in real estate is you build equity 
Equity is a beautiful thing, my friend. Yes. <laughs> At the very least, what you could do is just take a line of credit from the, from the home and then use that to buy other properties. And as long as you cash flow and you are able to basically pay the mortgage and still have another, I believe it's 1.5, essentially times 1.5 of the monthly, the banks will basically consider it as, as a net zero. Exactly. So yeah. what that means is they're willing to give you that cash again and again and again. So yes. you can continue scaling up, right? So just because you have one property today and you think that's the primary residence and you don't have money, guys, there's so many other avenues. You need to just use banks' money to make more money. That's as simple as I can put it. <laughs> yes, yeah. And once you understand that debt service ratio, um, how, like how the banks look at it and what it actually means, that that's huge. And I don't think enough investors actually talk about it on podcasts and things like that because- right. It's not just executing the Burr strategy. It's mm -hmm. buying properties that create enough cash flow that they offset the expenses enough that the banks look at it and say, this doesn't affect your debt ratio. So you're approved for the exact same amount you were approved for before. Or yes. if your cash flow is high enough, you might be even approved for more than your last property. Exactly. Because it's like, it's let's say your cash flow was... $500 more than what their service ratio was. That's the equivalent of you working a nine to five job and getting a $6,000 raise. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, it's very important for you, for, you know, viewers to understand that. Yeah. Cash flow is absolutely king. And that, that's what we all look for. You look for those. I look for those. If, if it doesn't make, if it doesn't cash flow, I'm not buying. Simple as yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I don't bank on appreciation. I know a lot of folks kind of, you know, bank on that in, in that way, especially in the GTA. Yes, things have gone up and down, but look what's happened in the condo, condo market in Toronto, right? Yeah. For somebody who bought really high, especially pre-construction and say they're closing this year, I don't think that they, they built much equity, right? Because prices have dropped. So that's the scary part about, about you know, banking on equity alone. Whereas if you have cash flow, you're not affected. You're still yeah. able to pay your mortgage. You're still able to cover expenses and there's money coming in your pocket. You want to try to avoid speculation, like as much as possible when you're doing any investment, try to avoid speculation, you know? So if, if you're banking on, Hey, this is an up and coming market and I think it's going to appreciate, yeah. but I'm losing 500 bucks a month. Don't do it. No, <laughs> there, there's much better investment and better opportunities out there. Definitely. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Let's talk about some of your failures. I know you touched upon a few things here, right? I know you, and I know you're big on this. I know you, you, you talked about how you basically ask these questions at the dining table. So tell us yeah. a little bit about some of the, the failures because I love to get into that because as we know, there's no success without failure. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of the learning lessons probably go back to, um, I would say like even, even the very first property that I bought, um, could have been a lot better. Um, so there was a failure there because I moved in to this property that I was house hacking and I had tenants living downstairs. And I remember the fear, like it wasn't that long ago, but I remember the fear of being a landlord. I remember that I was going to have to, you know, manage people living in a house and give them rules and I don't know. It was kind of weird to me. So, cause I had never done it before. So right. I, I ended up moving into this house and because I didn't want to fail, I didn't want to fail. And I was so scared of failing. I told the tenants, I, I want you guys to stay. I will lower your rent. 
I offered them to lower their rent just out of fear <laughs> that maybe they'll leave. And then I would have to actually go find tenants. And I didn't know if I could find tenants. And so yeah. it's, it's funny because um, they were paying, they were even paying utilities back right. then. And, uh, and I told them, don't worry, I'll even pay your utilities. So that's, that's a big no, no, like a big lesson. Don't do that. <laughs> um, that was a huge failure because um, I ended up probably losing, like I lowered the rent, like $150 or something like that. And then I was paying the utilities, which is probably another $250. So for wow. five years yeah. that they live there, um, $400 a month, you can, if you add that up, we're looking at like $22,000 that I missed out on, on cash flow or income. Wow. Um, so now I know that um, whatever the market rent is, that's what you're going to pay, right? Yeah. So if the yeah. market rent is this, you need to know what the market rent is and you charge the market rent. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that I learned. Another, another big lesson was um, probably 20, 20, not 20. 2020, I bought uh, I bought a duplex that had a tenant who who had been living there for a long time and was living for free essentially like $400 uh, all inclusive, and I thought just out of assumption that I'm just going to be able to like ask her to leave because I hadn't <laughs> I I hadn't gone through this before where I needed the tenant to leave to right. make it cash flow. And I had, I had had a successful burst after successful burr after successful burr, but most of it was because tenants were, were getting vacant units or the tenants were leaving, we were renovating. So there wasn't a lot of like negotiating with the tenants and right. this one tenant, guess what? We bought the place. She didn't want to leave because she knew that that was the cheapest rent she was going to get ever anywhere. Right. And even after offering her $5,000, she laughed at us and she said, no, I'm not leaving Wow. So $5,000. Yeah. So, so that was a huge lesson. Um, we sold that property because it, it was a failure. Right. We, we actually ended up selling that property because it didn't work out the way that we had expected it to. And that was, that was a big lesson learned. So now I do, I do a little, a little bit of a strategy now that that might be a golden nugget for the golden nugget podcast, which is yeah. that I go into the properties that I'm viewing and I talk to the tenants and I engage with them and I ask them different questions. There's a list of questions that I like to ask them. And this might be something you guys want to try, which is you go through the property and you ask them, how long have they lived there? And if they're happy and if they say they're not happy, then you might ask them why they're not happy. And you can get a lot of information from the tenant because you can get their characteristics their attitude, if there might be a problem tenant for you, or if they're negotiable, there's a lot of different things that you can get. And then the other thing you can get is you ask them what they're paying for rent and if they would be pay- willing to pay more, or if you actually need the, the vacant, the unit vacant, you can even ask them when you're viewing, if they would be willing to move or leave, or if they've thought about it mm-hmm. and you can access before even buying the place. And this is all information that I've started to gather whenever I'm looking at properties um, to avoid failing like that again, because I didn't do that with that property when, when we acquired that tenant. Yeah, no, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, segue to what I was going to ask you next, Sean. So I know a lot of properties that are being sold in the market, they, they typically don't get vacant, right? Because of, you know, the tenant board and all the legalities and what involved. But what you're telling me now is if you come across a property and you ask those questions and the tenant's saying, you know what, I'm happy, I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere. You're going to just move away. Like you're going to just say, forget this. Or 
you try to come up with something else to kind of hopefully get a vacant or make a deal with the tenants to, to get a vacant on possession? So it, it depends because I, it depends on what the strategy is for the property. So I, do I need the rent to be increased or do I need the, the vacant, the unit vacant, right? right. Or, or um, is it a huge deal? Like, is it a deal breaker or is it not? It totally depends on every different scenario. So sometimes it might be as simple as like, well, I just want to renovate the unit, right? Well, right. would I walk away if they say, no, they don't want to leave, but their rent is okay. And I just need to renovate the unit because I want to increase the value. I would still buy it because I can, I know I can negotiate with the tenant to let me renovate the unit while they live there. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Because like, yeah, depending on the deal, if the deal is good, too good to be true, like there's no point of passing it just because you potentially have a tenant you don't like. Right. So, yeah. um, and another thing that I wanted to mention for, for our viewers here is that, uh, it's very critical and whenever you do give people a possession, uh, especially when you are getting new tenants, is you got to put market rates because folks can sit there for 20 years. <laughs> everything goes up in 20 years, right? Your price of hydro, your utilities, everything and anything. So because of the way everything is structured, anything that's built prior to 2018, there is restrictions on how many uh, rent you can raise per year. So yes. Just to look at the stats in the, over the past couple of years, uh, I believe it was 1.8 last year. And then this year we have a rental freeze. So that means yeah. we can't even increase rent. So if you, if just to put things in dollars, so if somebody is literally renting something for $1,000 a month, that's another $10 or $15 a month, which is peanuts, yes. right? So definitely ensure that you are getting the right tenant profile and t having good, um, healthy turnover is very critical too. I know a lot of people are afraid, especially new investors say, what am I going to do if, you know, my property is vacant tomorrow, my tenant gets up and leaves, how am I going to get this mortgage paid, right? Those are the things that you and I always make sure we have those calculations in place before we even buy the property, let alone dealing with it when it actually happens. So uh, yes, tell us a little bit yeah. about that, because I know you have some t current uh, tenant turnover and how that has helped you so far increase your cash flow. Yeah. So you know what? I'm going to go back to the property of, um, of that, the first rental property that I bought. So this yes. is, this is an interesting, interesting like story of how it panned out. Yeah. Um, this was where I had a tenant that I had lowered the rent. The one that I said, I lowered the rent and right, uh, right. they ended up living there for seven, eight years. Um, so the this was like, it was last year. I think this happened where I had tenants in there and they were paying a certain amount of money and my cash flow was like $80, but the value of the property had doubled. So uh, there was like $250,000 or so in equity that I could capture if I sold right. the property. And I knew that they didn't want to leave because I already asked them and they said they didn't want to leave. So I actually listed the property for sale. And so my agent listed it. I was I was going to sell it, and I would have I would have gotten a nice you know capital gains tax that I would have had to pay. Um, right. But what ended up happening was when I listed it, both of my tenants decided to give me notice and say they were going to leave. So I had them sign N eleven forms. They said they were going to leave, and I ended up changing my mind. They left. I changed my mind. I took it off of the market. I re rented it at market rents. Right. My cash flow went from $80 to $1,100. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm going to keep that property for a really long time. 
Wow, that, that's incredible. Yeah, because you, you kept it all those years. It doubled in value. You can literally take a line of credit if you want on the property now. I'm sure um, uh, you, you are thinking about it or if you haven't already. And on top of it, now you're cash flowing. You have another 1100 a month in your pocket. That's incredible. And yeah, then that's so, what we strive for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's how important it is to be able to get the market rents, right? And, yeah. um, and then you were alluding to a, a current tenant turnover. So we just had... We just had um, a unit turnover. We had two units turnover. Um, one was a $10,000 renovation. The other one was a $12,000 renovation. Um, both properties are now going to be able to be refinanced. And the rent increased $200 on one and then only $50 on the other one. Um, right. But it's still additional cash flow that we didn't have, you know, a couple months yeah. ago. So it, it definitely helps. Yeah. And then talk to, talk to us about picking the right tenant. So what, what is it that you go over to make sure that you are selecting the right tenant? Do you provide a, you know, an application beforehand or what are the a couple of key criteria that you look for? In a, in a yeah. Tenant? So I've, I used to, I've simplified it a lot. I've really made it easy for myself. Um, so what I do is any new units that come up on the market, I will go and put a post on Kijiji and then put a post on Facebook. I'll put 10 pictures. I'll put how many bedrooms, how much the rent is, where it's located. Does it include utilities or not? Every single person that messages me, I tell them a time and a day when the showing is and that's it. So every person that's going to come, they're going to come within this hour, 1 to 2 p.m. right on Saturday. Then I have all all the people come. I I let them in one by one, might be five minutes each, right? Um, every single person that's interested, they always say, oh, where's the application? Can I fill out the application? Do you have the papers on you? I just say, Mm -hmm. if you're interested, send me your email and I'll send you the link. And I use Neighborly. So Neighborly, I I log into Neighborly. It has my address that I'm I'm renting out. I literally just copy and paste their email and click send. And I have to do absolutely nothing else. That's all I do. So I will just, I'll just send one email to every person that's interested. They fill it out on Neighborly neighborly will send and they pay $25 each. So if they're not, if they're not serious about renting, right. then they're not going to even apply because they don't, they have to spend $25 to apply. Right, so, right. so they spend the $25, they apply. I then get all their credit information. It shows me a score from zero to a thousand. If they have liens, if they have collections, how much debt, revolving debt, school debt, uh, car debt, it shows me everything that they have. And then they have to upload pictures of their pets, their driver's license, income statements, and I make my, it makes the decision super easy. So yes. I, once I have all of that, if I had a good gut feeling from them and then their, their report comes back and it's like pretty much as long as it's okay, then right. I just check with the references. If the references pan out, the, they do have a job. It is full time. They, right. um, their last landlord doesn't say that they're like drug dealers, then, you know, then it, it's, it's, a, it makes it really easy. It makes it really easy to do, do it that way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, you're basically just letting them weed, it, weed themselves out. <laughs> they weed themselves out, yeah. Yeah, so only the, only the like solid applicants will usually come through. And then I make a selection from, you know, three, four or five people. That, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Just, again, it goes back to what you're saying, systems, right? For yeah. somebody new, these are golden nuggets, guys. Write this down, neighborly. That's, that's what you got to use. <laughs> this, is, this is very important. No, literally, because... Uh, going through the whole tenant thing, especially when I first started my first property, I did it all myself, right? It took me a lot of time. So 
Um, I did do the showing, kind of like what you mentioned. Uh, I did have an open house type of style where you need to come on this day, but I didn't use Neighborly, and I love that. And that that would be a great uh, you know application to use because then they weed them, themselves out. If they're not yeah. serious, guess what? They're gonna just move away, and you know, you know what? Out of the twenty, the two that are interested are maybe worth me looking into. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so Sean, I mean, I'm, so far you've done pretty much bird projects. How come you haven't looked into other avenues? Like, have you done any flips or any, uh, uh, I guess, Airbnbs, any cottages? There's so much going on right now, right? Especially with the Niagara like region. Yeah. And any thoughts on that? Or is that something that is coming up this year? So um, I do have, I, I have an Airbnb in Crystal Beach. Um, so that has done like exceptionally well. Um, way better than we had, we had anticipated, especially because we bought it like just before COVID started. So right. we thought, Oh my God, this is like the worst timing. Um, but it ended up, it ended up doing really good. And we got, we got long bookings. So we had people that were coming from Toronto during COVID and they right. booked for like three months at, at an average nightly rate of like $120. So wow. I was like, I'm like, wow. Like I didn't know that people actually do this. Right. So it ended up working out. And then after they left, we had another booking for a really long time. And then right now I, I have a lady in there. Um, I think she's paying us a hundred dollars a night and mm -hmm. she's been there for about four and a half months. Wow. Um, so it's been doing really well during COVID. And, uh, and then during the summer, we up the rates to about $250 a night and we do get booked. So, um, Airbnb has been really good. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would put my focus like a lot of focus on it because like, like you and I know we do this for time freedom, right? right? Not, not just financial freedom. Financial freedom is great, but if you have financial freedom, but you don't have time, then what's the point? Exactly. Right? So I, I want to have a lot of time and I think Airbnb, if, if you, if you have a lot, then yeah, you can create a system around it. You can right. have it totally hands off. But with me just having one and then maybe adding another one or another one, I'd still have to be involved with it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not going to really focus on it too much right now, but right. later on in the future, I will be. So right now I want to continue doing the birth strategy. Right. Um, and with that, I have been thinking about doing some active income with little flips in between. Um, one of my focuses though, which um, actually I just told you, I think yesterday was that um, so I, I got laid off because of COVID in March last year, I was working as an IT guy this during this whole journey and right. I got laid off and I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? Right. So yeah, I'm a real estate investor, but like, I want to, I want to be productive. I want to, I want to keep investing in real estate. And then I realized that I'm pa really passionate about it. So I went and I started studying to get my real estate license and I just got my real estate license. Um, so I'm actually going to be working under Royal LePage as of like next week. And um, nice. I'm doing this as basically fulfillment. Like I feel fulfilled because yeah. now I realize that I've been able to change my life through real estate investing. And now I have the opportunity to go and help other people implement the same strategies that I've learned and help them change their life. Um, so that's, yeah. that's come full circle. So that's when it, that's going to be like my big focus for uh, 2021. So for this year, yeah. I'm, I'm really, really going to be focused on that. And, uh, and I want to help other people grow as a real estate investors. Um, so that's, 
that's going to be my focus this year. I'm going to keep continuing the bird projects. I might do some flips for active income in between. Right. And later right. on down the road, I will be doing some more Airbnbs, but I think that my focus on Airbnbs won't be here. <laughs> so I think that the focus yeah. for Airbnbs are probably going to be like down in the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. As, you, as you've already planned it, that's beautiful. You got the seeds already just waiting for it to grow. So that's yeah. fantastic. And yeah, and that this speaks volumes, right? So having a real estate investor mindset and being a real estate agent, it's like a no brainer. Like I love it. I'm in the same boat as you. We're both the agents here. And now we know what to look for. So imagine how many people we can help, right? Yeah. Some folks that are brand new, they may just go to somebody who's like, you know, uh, a person who's not really ad adverse into investment. And they may not know, is this worth it? They may not know the market, but when you look for agents, especially in, if you are gonna buy an MLS, I highly recommend make sure they are, they are investors themselves. This is gonna save you a lot of headache and you will find good deals. 100%. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Sean, so yeah, this is this has been like phenomenal. I absolutely love talking to you. I know, like I said, you, we and I can go back, back and forth for hours. Hours, hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, many times. <laughs> yeah. So for, for the folks that are listening here, I know we, we give them a lot of great uh, golden nuggets here. If there was one piece of advice you can give them, just one piece, what would that be? I would say that don't be, okay, so educate yourself 100%. So you need to educate yourself. You need to read books. You need to listen to podcasts. You need to listen to Audible if you're not reading books. Like you need to, you need to be doing something that's engaging you into this whole community and connect right. with people, talk to people. Aside from that though, don't, don't let fear control you. That's, that's huge. Like it's scary to get into this like unknown territory if you're not familiar with it, yes. but don't be scared to do it. Take action, like pull the trigger and do it. And if you're too scared to do it on your own, ask another investor for help. Yes. That's my best advice. Absolutely, absolutely. Like we, Sean and I are open to people messaging us and saying, hey, what do you think of this property? Networking is huge and definitely reach out. Don't ever feel that, oh, so-and-so is too busy, they're not gonna get back to you. Sure, there are some folks that may not have the time, but chances are they will reply. So don't feel that you're alone. You're not in this community, absolutely. Run it by us, we'll give you a yes, go ahead. Or if you're scared, again, there's we're constantly looking to grow. So we'll love to help you guys out, whether it's maybe partnering up together or giving you free advice. We're here to help. So by all means, definitely feel free to reach out whether to us or whoever you, you, know, you have in your circle. Uh, I totally agree with that. And uh, I know mindset is a huge thing for us, right? So, and I know you're big on that as well. What yeah. is a good book on, I guess, mindset? What would you recommend? Yeah, so I'm reading, I'm reading a book called Mindset right now. Um, it's pretty good, <laughs> but it's like, there's a lot of fluff in it. And the reality is, is all the book teaches you is there's a difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So right. I wouldn't even say you need to read the book. Just think that you need to have a growth mindset where you're always thinking, how am I going to grow? How am I going to better myself? And don't try to bet. Don't try to, don't try to be better than somebody else. Try to be better than yourself today. That's yes. it. Don't, don't look at somebody else and be like, I want to be better than them. Look at yourself and say, I want to be better than him or her today. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the, one of the, one of the best books that I've read probably recently would be, um, a man's search for meaning. 
that's a really good book about uh, like self-reflection of a person looking at their life and what the meaning of life is. So A Man's Search for Meaning is pretty good. And then The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco is another good book. Nice, nice. Great. I'm so glad I heard some new books because everybody talks about <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Slide Edge, you know, the most common ones. So yeah. some, good, some good new books to put on your list. Awesome, awesome. Um, and then I think I already know the answer to this one, but if you were to travel anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, there's a lot of places that I want to visit, man. But um, <laughs> I would say, okay, like right now, right now, like I just want to go to Belize, to be honest. Like just right, yeah, right now. I knew it. I knew right it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right now, that's where I want to go. Um, but there's a lot of other places. Yeah, maybe Thailand. Maybe um, there's this is a place called Kofifi Island on Th- in Thailand. I, I want to I want to check that place out. But uh, yeah, Belize is is another place. And then um, um, I fell in love with uh, Boca del Toro in Panama too. That's another nice place. Oh wow! And I've never even heard of that <laughs> little, little island off of Panama. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since I've seen the, the sun <laughs> because of the whole yeah, COVID. So me too. <laughs> oh, I would die for that right now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sean. This has been nothing but just golden nuggets after golden nuggets. And I, and I love that, you know, we were able to do this. I know you were very busy and had a lot on your plate, but thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, for folks that want to connect with you, where can they find you, Sean? Uh, Sean Rea on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'm easy, easy to uh, easy to talk to, uh, and I love socializing, and I love talking to people about real estate. So feel free to reach out. Yeah, awesome, and I'll definitely put uh, all of the, uh, uh, Sean's links in the show notes. So definitely, yeah, feel free to connect with him. Great resource, another great person to have your network. Thanks again, Sean. Like I said, it's been amazing. I can't wait to talk to you and, and see how much you triple in the next year or so. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ross. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I'll have those links in the show notes for you to contact me. I love bouncing ideas, people, and I love talking real estate. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. 